The holidays are over and we're back as the original three on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We've got a lot to talk about this week, so we'll get started right now. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We're back as the original trio this weekend and I'm joined by Scott. Good to see you again, James. Who's this other guy? Never seen him before. Yeah, he's looking a little bit different after his uh, overseas uh, jaunt. I, I, think really should, I really shouldn't have left you in charge of these negotiations on this deal. Yes, well his three-week loan spell is over and we're pleased to welcome back Adam. Good to see you still in one piece. Hey, grazie mille. Uh, <laughs> Buonasera, James. Uh, Scott, El Tutti. <laughs> Uh, Look, I struggle, with, hang on. <laughs> I struggle with English enough. Yeah, right? hang on. I've got, I've got a whole, whole prepared thing. So, uh, for this, for this, uh, the Essere uh, a casa. So, for those, uh, for those who can speak Italian, I probably just botched it, but I uh, just said, said, uh, thank, thanks very much. Uh, good evening, and uh, happy to be home. I'm going to just get my lawyers to check that just to make sure it's actually what you we've said. Got, we've got a couple of Italian-speaking people listening to the show, oh, so I'm good, sure they'll, they'll give you a ruling on it. Or we just take the audio down to Brisbane City and they'll translate for us. <laughs> Why not? Anyway, yes, this is the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here. It's a Podular Media production, and we're very pleased that you're joining us for another week as things are starting to look up here in Queensland football both local and in uh, national competitions. You're listening to us on uh, podcasts through iTunes, Spotify, and all other good podcast platforms, or you might be listening to us on Football Nation Radio. Either way, glad you're tuning in. Uh, contact information, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, send an email, comments, questions, discussion topics. We'll do our best to remember it. And uh, Facebook, The Raw Review, we're still changing that. Now, you didn't happen to run into Mr. Zuckerberg in Milan or anything, did yeah. you? Yeah. Nah, I don't think he's welcome that part of the world. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Twitter, at BNE Football. On those social accounts, you can find news, updates, and live coverage of a whole lot of football, both state-based uh, football Queensland competitions and, of course, the local Brisbane Raw matches. Absolutely. We should thank Adam for bringing back that fine Mediterranean weather with him over the last couple of days. It's been <laughs> a little bit warm, but it's been... In terms died. of football weather, it's been much better. I nearly died when I got off the plane. It's so bloody hot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, no, you're welcome, uh, I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll take sure it. the NPL Queensland Cup to be very great for you brought the yeah. sunshine back because I'm sure they all want to get underway. And I'm pretty sure when you talk to Football Queensland, they will be extending an official thank you for bringing this fine weather back <laughs> after a couple of weeks of uh, rain outs. But we'll get to the uh, State League competitions in a little, in a little while. Um this time last year, actually, when you got back from your holiday, we were going to spend the first 15 minutes talking about it, but things are much, much better for the Roar in the A-League now, with another win, this time over Western United in Ballarat, 1-0 thanks to Prince Mirza Muradovic. Now, I'm going to turn to the chairperson and probably treasurer of the Mirza Muradovic fan club, Scott. I'm not a treasurer, that's that's some financial responsibility, I'm not getting involved in any of that sort of stuff, but look, in all seriousness, since the bye week, just before Christmas, when the Roar have come back from that, they've been in... Absolutely fantastic form. I think it's like one win, one loss in seven games now, and they've really entrenched themselves in that top six now with the win over Western United. And you're right, James. It was a pretty good performance away from home on Sunday afternoon down there in Ballarat. I think they really went down there after what happened last time up at Suncorp Stadium with the whole handshake, non-handshake stuff. I think the Raw really wanted to go down there and get the result, and you could really see that in the performance. They were really, really solid and dogged defensively, and they showed in the front third particularly in the second half, they had enough creativity to create one or two chances to win the game. And they did... It was a really good away performance, actually. And 
it, it's again, it just culminates what's been a really, really great run over the last couple of months. You're right. That light bulb does look like it's gone off basically since Christmas when they had that buy. And look, I think we can all accept it's not the prettiest style of football, but it's effective. It's getting results, and that's what we want to see. Well, when before I left, I said my, my prediction was that the Raw will still be unbeaten when I got back. Maybe uh, they. Uh, came off the rails, but I... I you forgot saw, they were playing Sydney FC. I saw that, uh, yeah, the Sydney FC um, loss was a credible loss, but, um, yeah, some, obviously, ever since the bye week um, in December, they've seemed to, the Raw seemed to have sort of stepped up a level. Obviously, a couple of, you know, good signings, you know, obviously, yeah, Corey Brown has been worth his weight worth his way. Uh, Scott McDowell, I know, who didn't play, I know there's a bit of controversy over what was actually in his release clause. Well done, Raw fans in Melbourne, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then, yeah, but, um, but yeah, I did, I did actually catch a bit of the game um, once I figured out how to get around the VPNs and actually watch watch uh, the A-League in, in Italy. But, uh, but yeah, no, but it was a very solid performance. And, um, yeah, look, good to see that um, Mirzomoravic is actually, yeah, he's on the score sheet and he's really now seem to be entrenched in as a senior player. Interesting. I know it was a mistake from the new defender for Western United MI for the goal turning the ball over, but that combination between Brad Inman and Merzen Radovich on and off the field certainly seems to be really paying bearing fruit for the Raw because they've, if you listen to Brad Inman's comments after the game, he seems to have a really good understanding with Merzen in terms of helping him along off the field or in the squad as a mentor. And you could see it on the field. The combination between the two of them is really good because... In, you couldn't have faulted him for necessarily shooting from there because it was a one-on-one chance. You could have gone across the goal yourself if you wanted to. But it was a good play to square it up to Merzo. And that combination is something we haven't seen up front so far this year from the Raw. It didn't really work between Amadi Holloway and the now departed O'Donovan. It didn't really work between a couple of the other things. And at the moment, they're starting to find some combinations up there. And I think that's where the, the um, change in fortunes, if you like, from the bye week has stemmed from. For me, like that goal summed up, they're playing smart football. That's yeah. that's what I want to see. Like as you said, he could have Inman could have very easily uh, shot that. Instead, he chose he to lay it off. He could have really faulted yeah. for him either because it was a good oh, yeah. opportunity for him if he did take it. But, but he uh, also just, knew the percent. He played the percentages. It there. just looked. It was a good bit of vision by Bradman. He made he made the choice. He made the right one. He had you no. Know, you had Mravich come steaming in, and it was it was the right call. But you're right. Um, nine out of ten times you'd say go go yourself, son. And um, yeah, the, the layoff to Mravich, and yeah, that, that's all, all she wrote. That yep. combination could be really interesting, though, if they all did try that more often up front as a pairing. I know it's not Inman's best like role, but it, that combination is starting to really pay off for the Raw. I don't, I don't like Inman as a striker. I think he's much better as that on-rushing third attacker through the middle. And I, I admit, I winced when I saw that he was starting up top in place of the... I think we're, we're going to call him ineligible Scott McDonald for this cup, game. Yeah, <laughs> cup tied. Cup tied. No, it's not a cup. League, league tied. tied. The league tied Scott McDonald, who also oh. apparently can't play in the finals if the two sides win. I don't see that being the case. As it Mostly because right I don't now. see Western United making the finals. Um, well, Nothing. Well, 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 no? well, fifth one plays sixth at worst, so yeah, you won't. Definitely. All right, uh, that's our thoughts on the match. Let's hear from Raw Manager Robbie Fowler. I don't think um, anyone could have complained too much if it was three or four, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, we come to you know, it's a tough place, and you know, you look at their home form of late. Uh, they've got ten goals in the last uh, last four games. Um, and us to come here and, and keep them quiet uh, and come away with uh, the three points was, uh, as I said, a real solid professional performance. So, you I think any manager will tell you, you always want clean sheets. Um, obviously, it dictates with um, you know the opposition and uh, and how you go out and perform in the game. But I just think we were solid. Um, you know, we looked good defensively all year. I think you know obviously bar the one game, um, I think we've been relatively solid. Um, I'm looking at our lads uh, and maybe getting the plaudits to deserve now for you know, for real good defensive performances. Okay, so that was Robbie Fowler. Obviously very happy with the way that the side was able to pick up all three points down in Ballarat. And Well, first things first, I want to say, what was it, 2,900 of that game? You've got to be kidding me. It's really tough for us to know, to think about. This is the, this, it's, they've played at three home gra- ga- grounds so far. and Witten Oval was the best of them. Well, it was the one that looked the most atmospheric, that's for sure. But, uh, I mean, it's very, if, as, if you were a Western United fan, as you point out, only 2,900 of them turned up, it's very difficult to... I don't think 2,900 of them were Western United no, fans. No, there was a fair portion of Brisbane Raw fans down there enjoying their first home game of the season for them. But they're, good, they're good friends, uh, Raw, the Raw yeah. fans of Melbourne. It's a long way from Geelong to Ballarat as well to make mm. the trek on a Sunday on a hot Sunday afternoon. So 
I think they've really got to work out what they want to do as a base here because it's very difficult. I think their next game is back at Geelong where they haven't played since in over a month, I think it is, since they've played there. So it's very, very difficult for them as a fan base to really cement one ground. I know it was always going to be this way. Well, their new ground hopefully gets built in a couple I of years' did, time. But, I did read but when that. Western and Sydney and Wanderers had this issue with Bank West, they only played at one home ground. Sydney SC are floating between two home grounds, which they know suit their membership base. Western, I think they need to find out where their membership base is located and find an appropriate ground in that area. Because I don't know if going from Ballarat to Whitnoval to Geelong all the time is necessarily the solution for them. I did, I did read uh, that, that they're close between um, West United and Wyndham Council about you know, breaking ground on that new stadium in Tane, but uh, That should that, have happened already. Yeah, right? the, thing, the thing is that they're talking 2022, 23, which, is, which means that you, this, this club is going to be, you know, they're going to be, quote, wandering for the next, um, for the next at least two seasons, which you would have thought that you know, this should have been handled while they st- before yeah. they played a game. So, yeah, and, th- and this is now becoming... T- Come to roost that you know, it's a real problem. You know, twenty nine hundred. That, that's that's Gold Coast United numbers almost. It is. I mean, look, this is the thing. This is where I think the MLS model is better. They I give the new club the license to get in the competition. They say you'll be in the league two, two, two and a half years from now. And those teams go out and actually they've already got their stadium agreement built that they can do it. But then once they're confirmed, they go and build it. Like into Miami, yeah. I think is the new team coming in this year. They were announced, what, two, three years ago, and their stadium is already built, so they come in. If they'll be known as they, Miami by the end. Well, that's true, but they yeah. come into the league with their yeah. purpose-built stadium ready to go. They're not they're not playing in the NFL stadium for two or three years while it's getting built. That, that's good, because that yeah. surface is dreadful. Well, it's also too big for an MLS club, to be honest, but they've got it all set up much better over there in terms of yeah, there are, you get your license and you build there. your stadium, and when your stadium is built, you come into the league. I think that might be something that the A-League operation group need to look at for any future teams who join the league, if they are building a new stadium, it might have to be done before you actually allow them into the competition. Because this, what we're seeing in Western United, it just isn't working. And also, just as a you know, big fan of US sport, I know everyone hates it. You know, oh, we don't want to be like the US, but in this, this way, this, why not? Yeah, in, in this media market space, this is exactly what they have to be looking at because. Find me another country where football is competing with four, five, six other uh, sports sports leagues. Well, big sports leagues as well. Yeah, that's it. And, that, and that's and that's exactly it. You know, I know people have a love affair with Europe. You now, like I said, I've been I've you know been watching you know, a gluttony of you know Serie A and Bundesliga games, and you know, and like you know, just to go off quickly on a tangent, you know, obviously it's it's big, but they're the only game in town. It's all about football. You know, here in Australia, we're competing against guess all different sports but like I said what better way of you know trying to copy a model and you know do what MLS are doing because they're like I said they've gone through the same growing problems that we are currently feeling in the A-League and, you know, and they were able to overcome it so yeah. well you're on this tangent did you get to any games in Europe when you were over there? no no because I was at sea most of the time but I did I, I did catch uh, oh, the, the choke you the, honestly <laughs> I did catch the, um, the AC Milan choking in the derby so <laughs> That was something. Oh, that was that was fun. Yeah. That was fun watching with uh, a lot of fans on the ship. That's for sure. Okay, back anyway, on back on back on topic. So I wanted to pivot and just close out this segment with a talk of what we're expecting for the raw with what nine games to go over ten weeks. So as it stands, they played seventeen on twenty five points, and they are five points behind second place Melbourne City with a game in hand. They're four points behind third place Perth Glory who have a game in hand on the Raw and two on Melbourne City. I think that... Yeah, I'm getting an ice cream Dip headache. Chalk, trying to, yeah, out. yeah look, up, look up the uh, draw online. The oh, point oh. is it's a close distance now between fifth and second. Yeah, and Robbie Fowler got asked uh, this in the press conference by, I believe, Mick Lynch. Yes. After the game, and we'll just play this quite quickly. Tables tight, you know, we're two points from, um, you know, from Wellington and 
uh, Adelaide, who um, you know have, have had good seasons. Uh, you know, you look at Adelaide and uh, performances wise. I know they had a little bit of a dip pre uh, uh, mid season where they lost a few games, uh, but generally their form's been good. Um, you know, and Wellington, you know, again, you know, rightly, you know, lots of good plaudits because the way they played, the results, you know, were two points behind them. So, you know, maybe we're not a bad team. Okay, so that was Robbie Fowler there. I suppose what I wanted to ask now is, what are your expectations for the Raw for the remaining three months of the season, Adam? Look, with um, with six out of nine home games, you'd, you'd expect them to, you know, to continue picking up points. I think, I think finals football is becoming uh, a real reality here, and unless it's a sort of an unprecedented collapse um, you know, in form, look, I think finals football is a realistic thing, especially at home. I know that uh, Suncorp hasn't always been the fortress that, you know, that you know, we would hope it to be, but look, I think things are looking good at the moment. I think down the rocky period, you know, of the team that you know that's still you know being built together, I think it's very very close to completion now. And I think if they if they at least you know, you know even they just win their home games, that's you know eighteen points, forty three points. That's enough to you know to get finals football and probably you know, even a first week final home final. I think fourth needs to be the absolute bare minimum they're aiming for. And look, we've seen no reason to think that they can't be competitive and overtake the likes of Wellington and Adelaide. With all due respect to those two clubs, I just, I think at the very least the Raw are on par with them. Well, they're also in very good form, both those clubs. But I'm, I'm with you. You know my thoughts that start of every year, fourth place at a minimum, hosting a final week one should be the goal. And where we, from where the club was, again, I'll go back to that yep. the bye week, they were playing Newcastle in a game which was 10th versus 11th. Now they're 5th. And you're right, they've got a really decent run of home games at the end of the season where they can really capitalise on some points. If they pick up the majority of those points of those 18 at home, they will absolutely be right there in contention for a, for a home final. But I really do think these next two games are absolutely crucial. If the, we'll, we'll know in two weeks if the Raw have a genuine shot at a home final or if it's a bit more of a long shot because they've got Perth at home this week at Dolphin Stadium. Perth coming back from, from Japan. That should, that, if that should be a massive opportunity for the Raw there. And then you've got Melbourne City away from home, who we know are extremely inconsistent. Starting to falter yeah, at the moment. And the Raw well. have beaten them twice this year already. So you that you can get if you get at no, least no, they've four, drawn with them. Oh, they drew up here the second time. You know, they haven't lost. I think you're right. So they've got four points out of six. If they can get four points out of these two games coming up against Perth and Melbourne City. Then you play Sydney FC at home. I know that's a very tough game, but yeah. they, they they lift for that game up here. The crowd lifts for it. The players lift for it. That Origin. Derby stuff kicks in and they do lift their game for that. But this time of year as that, well, about Sydney yeah, FC. is the that, you know, Champions League as yeah. well. So look, these next three games could be really, really crucial to tell you how they're going. I mean, I, th- I would have to say they're a good shot at getting a home final at the moment just because the, the Perth are going to have to deal with a Champions League campaign for the first time. How are they going to cope with that? I know Tony Among Popovich, other things in Perth. <laughs> yep, I know Tony Popovich has dealt with it before, but his squad and the club haven't. Melbourne Victory, they're out of it, obviously, with Champions League. They're not going to be an issue in the A-League, but I think Sydney FC are too far clear. But you know, I, I think they have a very good chance of hosting a final, and if Robbie Fowler can get to that point with his squad, which is, you're right, Adam's been building slowly over the course of the year. The Visa players, who might have started a little bit slower, now they're getting used to the league, the harder pitches, all the rest of it. They're coming into their own, and if that continues to happen... I can see him hosting a final, no question. And look, you got to give Robbie Fowler credit. You know, he always said, you know, despite some some pretty ordinary performances early in the season, he always he, he never faltered from you know saying, you know, this side it's they're getting better, they're getting better. Now I think we're starting to see the end result now, and it's now about putting, you know, ninety minutes on the park every week, or at least you know a because from what I saw, they're still not at their best, so they're still you know lapses of concentration and you know sort of you know some very flat play and whatnot but at the moment it's all about results and you know I did I did read sort of you know on social media saying oh it's boring football and all that but you know what 25 points in the bank at this time of year no who cares it's like it is funny though because the first half of all these games they are very controlled it's wearing your opposition down there's not normally many chances in either games I do think for either side so I think that's how Robbie Fowler really does like it he likes his side to to ground down the opposition, earn the right to go and attack, and then, and then once you've the once you've yeah run over the top of them with their superior fitness, we know they did a very extensive pre-season, James. So I think they're definitely trying to use that to their advantage. And the last four or five weeks, it's definitely been working. Fourteen goals uh, in the last thirty minutes this season, um, which is a clearly a league best. So obviously that's, that's the, the the game plan is is you know is to hold the fort for the first half and then really accelerate in the second half. And then obviously, especially in this late last run, it seems to be working. 
my only, I suppose, concern is the fact that, what, they've scored 19 goals in 17 games. Now, I know they're starting to come a little bit more in recent weeks. I can't remember, outside of Sydney FC, I can't remember the last time they actually held scoreless. But it, it is the fact that I do wonder, in a finals game, you know, against a good opponent, do they have the attacking wherewithal to find a way to get two goals? Well, that's that's the question we'll only find out in April and hopefully, for the Raw's sake, in May. But the, you're right, the, the attacking performance has gotten better over the course of the season. And I think it also stems back to when Robbie Fowler first took over, his whole message for the whole preseason, the first third of the season was, we will be better defensively this year. We will not concede 70-plus goals again. Continue repeating right. those messages. Yep. Well, it would be a massive fall-off now to concede 70 goals from where they are now. So... He was, he was building defensively first. Now I think it's starting to click into we're now building the attacking structures, more focusing on them. Not that they weren't in the preseason, obviously. Of course they were. But now the now it might be more of a focus on what can we do in the front third to create more regular chances. And we're starting to see it over the last few weeks. So, But if you've got that defensive foundation, James, can the opposition score two goals against you? Could you affect that as well? That too. I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, 21 goals conceded in 17 games. What is it, six of which have come against Sydney? Yeah, and five in one game. Exactly. So, yeah. look, there's still a lot to look forward to. Maybe it's just the Arsenal fan or Queensland Reds fan in me, but it's dangerous. I always feel like it's dangerous when you start to believe in these teams, but <laughs> at the very least, like, unless the IFAB decides to start awarding football on uh, style points, like Olympic diving yeah. or something... I don't think we've got to worry too much about that. You watch football to see your team win. That's yep. it. And there is a lot to be optimistic about as well. Given where the club was 12 months ago, we've pretty much written off the finals hopes well before this 12 months ago. Now it's like, well, they could host a final, which gives them a great chance of getting through to week two, which puts you 90 minutes from a grand final. So there's a lot to be optimistic about going into the final third of the season for the Raw, and they've got a lot of home games as well for the and fans, hopefully, to get out there starting this weekend at Dolphin. And that's exactly what you know that you, we were hoping for with that backloaded home schedule as well. So... Look, there's a lot to look forward to. I'm going to have to pull time on. Just before we do that, I want to make one more point about the weekend football in general because we don't talk about the league generally too often. We have to talk about Mohamed Toure's goal. Oh, that's Adelaide. insanely good. That is a fantastic story. It's exactly what the league needs. And you've got to give credit to Adelaide United because they do give a lot of South Australian talent regular opportunity and they do bring through a lot of them and you're starting to see the real benefits of that. So congratulations to him and to Adelaide because yeah, that's a great I'm story. Add to that is how good are the Toure family? Wow! Do you think apparently the young, the fourteen-year-old Musa there, they're already talking yeah. up as well. So it's, it's just a great story. I, I know, I know um, the Adelaide Press. So I think Val Michalicio has a story in there. So, um, so yeah, like but that's just a, that's just a great story. Definitely, it is. Although I do wonder if Al Hassan's sitting on the sideline, going, "Come on! I barely had a month in the spotlight. Now I've got to share it. Really? <laughs> He's got the international caps at least." Yeah, that's true, and I'm pretty sure uh, it won't be long before Muhammad's in the underage setup for Australia. They might both go to Tokyo, you never know. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Anyway, that is a very, very long segment one, so we'll take a break and then come back with the W League in the news right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on this very, very muggy Wednesday afternoon here in Brisbane as Adam and Scott just frantically look out thinking, is it going to storm? I was just thinking, thanks for bringing back the weather, but you could have left the humidity back over in Europe, Adam. There was no humidity in Europe. Oh, we could have... Oh, whatever, <laughs> don't ruin it. Anyway, um, we should probably get going because we had quite a long segment one, yeah. so we'll get right into segment two. Uh, w League. Well, that was disappointing. They lost 4-2 to Perth. Yallop and Pickett, uh, the goal scorers. Debutants Shay Connors and uh, Winnie Heatley got onto the pitch. Heatley, after a, what I thought was a stellar NPL uh, W season with Lions last year, good to see her finally getting on the pitch. But the result, Scott. Yeah, it didn't exactly go to plan. This was a game I think most people understood the Raw had to win, given the finals implications, and to go over to Perth and they seemed to start quite flat. So down three 0 in 25 minutes, and I think it was one 0 inside the first 10 minutes. So no, first two minutes, to beg your pardon, because they scored very early on and. It just it just wasn't the Raw's day and it was very it was difficult because when you're three in the last twenty five minutes you know you're in for a tough afternoon and they did fight back into the game. Carson Pickett's got a goal from a from a cross which which found its way in and then Tamiki Yallop got a goal just early in the second half. You start thinking, Okay, maybe maybe they can fight back and get something out of this game which could come in handy, but 
the, they did push forward a heck of a lot, the Roar, in the game. They tried to create something, it just didn't happen, and Aishinori scored in the third minute, so I was trying to make it quite comfortable, but it just, again, I kind of go back to the start, it just wasn't the Roar's day. It sounded like it was an ambush, pretty much. Uh, look, both have been better than what they were. I think they actually realised that, you know, no more Sam Kerr, memory has left the building, and they really need to actually, you know, fend for themselves and start playing, and um, yeah, the three goals, three, five minutes, you'd be Pretty, you'd be pretty disappointed, even it's sort of the wretched season they've had um, to, to lose from there. But look, uh, it's going to make it tough now for the Raw to make the finals. I think, yeah, I think Destiny is well and truly out of their hands, and they're going to they're going to need to be perfect the rest of the way, and then hope for uh, a few results to go their way. Well, speaking of, they got favours this weekend already with Melbourne victory and Western Sydney Wanderers losing. Yeah, they both lost in the derby. The opportunity was right there. The Raw would have found themselves comfortably in the top four right now, and. I know they've both, got, they've both got some tough games to come up in the last two games, but unfortunately so too do the Raw. They've got Canberra this weekend. Okay, I know that Canberra are essentially punting the season now, announcing Heather Garriott. Canberra won't. are out. Yeah, well, they've also said that Heather Garrick won't return for next season, so they're obviously they're obviously just finishing off the season the best they can. But even if they win this game at the weekend, again at home, they've got Melbourne City away, who they may have a premiership sitting on the end of that game, and that... And that, Melbourne City. No, I, I read no well, they're, they're in first place, I think, aren't they? So yeah, any points this yeah. weekend will seal it for Melbourne City. So look, they may, they may, they have already sealed it. They may not, but it's going to be a tough game no matter what. To well, go down the, there the, in the yeah, final game. One thing game. I will say about the Melbourne City, I was reading this uh, earlier, probably a little bit of research, only a little bit of research I've done uh, since I got back, is is that um, Melbourne City might be without six of their six of their um, international, well, nine international, including six Matildas, um, because of the uh, Vietnam. Uh, Olympic qualifiers. Well, so, you've still got the indemnity take the Matildas out the Raw squad as well, so that does balance well, it out. it does, yeah, you're right. Um, so that, that could be a very, very interesting game on who's got the, sort of the bad depth. You know, so so that, that last game, and like I said, even though there's nothing on for Melbourne to see, it's going to be everything on for the Raw, and you know, well, that may actually be a game, a winnable game, only because uh, Melbourne City are nowhere near full strength. I have a vague memory. I think Sydney played Melbourne victory in the final game as well, so... Mm. If, it's, if it comes down to that final game, the Raw may have a chance, but this was their golden chance against yeah. a team which is down the bottom of the table, been struggling all year. I know they beat Newcastle last game before the international break, but that should have been three points in the West, which sets it up for a home game against Canberra and then Melbourne City and then into the final. They've chosen a difficult path. Yeah. Well, it is the true Brisbane Raw nature, especially when it comes to this time of the season. Why do it the easy way? But yeah, I think... I think it is fair to say that, like, if they miss the finals, this season will go down as an utter failure. Oh, Based on the, the losses of players during the season is um, you can't necessarily legislate for that at the start of the season. But we you're right, thought, this squad was more yeah. than good enough to compete for a championship. It still is to be fair. And when they did they have can their get players that, into the finals, you never know what can happen. So exactly, but when they did have their players, you know, they were still failing to fire. Like the games that I've seen, I just always remember, you know, too many just simple little elementary level errors and I think that's probably what they're going to look back on and think you know I, I wish we didn't make those mistakes yeah, we'll probably look back on it in a couple of weeks time but that Western Sydney game down in Marconi where they won 4 was probably the only game all season yeah. where they had the full squad up up and firing and available because that was when Elise Kellen Knight I think made her first start of the season Hayley Razzo was still there that day I believe from memory I think, I think that was her last that's game what I, mean. I think that yeah. was the one game when everyone was fit yeah. and available and playing and they you saw what this squad could achieve and it just they haven't been able to get that on the field for long enough this season. And look, they still might make the finals. You never know. Well, it comes down to this this Sunday they lose. It's it's all over. Like even, I well, draw's you, not enough really. Either. Yeah, yeah, no. They, they got they got to be Canberra. Six points from the final two games, nothing less. Yep. That that's the easiest way to do it. Um, we should also mention uh, Matildas just got away with the draw against uh, China in their final Olympic qualifier stage game. Talk about not making things easy. What a strike though, Emily Van Eggman. She she had a great tournament. It also Ooh, broke today, Wednesday, when you listen to this, the same squad who qualified for this tournament will be going for the two legs against Vietnam. So, And I would say just very, very quickly, because we are trying to get through quite a few stories as well. Um, sh- like, uh, will the Matildas qualify for the Olympics against Yes. Vi- yeah. I think easily. I think you're probably going to look at about They'll a five have a, goal. They should have the Taiwan at home in New York. Yeah, Guns that's what I was going to say. Should you're be saying. over by then. Yep. You would hope. Okay, um... One end, bit of NPLW news as well that is related to the Raw. Georgina Worth will play for Kapalabar in 2020. So once the Raw season is done, she'll join up with the uh, team there. And I believe that continues the tradition of Raw W League players going to Kapalabar that was established all the way back to last year, where they had Abby Lloyd. 
yeah, Abby Lloyd was there. There were a couple of girls at um, Morton Bay as well. Ali Toby, Natalie Tatum. So it's not uncommon for the for the ladies when the season finishes in the W League just to get more more yeah. games under their belt. They play in the MPLW when their raw equipment's allowed. So it's not uncommon. And I think you will see probably a few more of those uh, raw W League signings coming through in the next couple you, of weeks. You would ho- you'd hope so. Um, like I said, especially the girls that probably are a bit a few years away from you know, international contracts and and whatnot. I think it would be in their best interest to go play in the MPLW. I think I think their presence, I think just it just lifts the competition out a little bit more. But uh, yeah, Georgina worth signing for Capalaba. It makes them um, a very very you know strong team. We'll get into the preview shortly about the whole season. That's a really that's a really you know shrewd signing by Hanno over at Capalaba. It is, and Georgina worth had a pretty serious knee injury in the last twelve months as well. So to get any minutes under her belt is probably a good thing for her. Absolutely. All right. Um, and one last story, because we don't talk enough about stadiums on this podcast. Uh, Ipswich Council pressing ahead with a design for a new stadium at North Ipswich Oval. Now, the Royal have played a few pre-season friendlies out there. I remember them playing, I think it was Melbourne Victory about seven, eight years ago out there. I think that was the last time I actually made the trek that far out. But um, yeah, I th- it'll be interesting to see how that relates to the bids for not only an A-League side, but a possible NRL bid as well. I think that's why they're going ahead with this. I mean, obviously Western Pride were the last Queensland side standing publicly, at least in the um, expansion process a couple of years ago. The NRL are continually talking about a second team yeah. in Queensland for their TV rights. I don't know if Ipswich is necessarily what they're looking at, but if, if the two codes can come together and we'll, right, we'll put teams in that stadium, it could be fantastic. It looks a decent decent um, image where they put out what it could look like. It looks fantastic, but remains to be seen if it gets built. If it does, it could be a great derby for the Raw, because I've always thought that that Ipswich-Springfield corridor was the best, most geographically divisive way you could do it, which is the best way derbies are built, I believe. If that does happen, though, I'm pretty sure Liam from uh, Queensland Socceroos fan and also Western Pride fanatic will no longer be welcome on the podcast because, you know, we're all Raw fans and we've got to have some limit here. <laughs> he Hi, can, Liam. He can run the Western Pride equivalent podcast. Yeah. Oh, good thinking. There you go, Liam. Right. You've got a job <laughs> to do, right? aside from your actual day job. And we'll negotiate job. carefully about when we'll go on their show and they can come on ours and vice versa, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, good idea. Anyway, yeah, well, I think this stadium is going to be very, very good interesting to track because of the you know future bidding not only for the A-League but for the National Second League or NSL for short and then you've also got careful someone else in Melbourne will pick up on this Ooh, yeah, about they're, the they're in a very litigious mood at the moment oh, what are, oh, what are they going to do get NSL, angry at, people are going to come after you what are they going to do get angry at me on Twitter I'll you just damn big franchise fake football customer <laughs> uh, careful I'm pretty sure that phrase is trademarked <laughs> as well <laughs> anyway before we say anything else it will get us uh, yelled at online by certain people let's um get back on track I, I still feel like whatever stadium is going to get built it's going to need to be done for more than one tenant oh that's that's um in australia at the moment that's like i said it's you're not going to find many places where you're going to have a sole tenant it's just not feasible like so when you're using public money um you can't just go and say oh i'm going to build a, a, a soccer stadium i'm just gonna build a rugby league stadium um, it's it's got to be it's got to be multi-tenant, not across code. That's that's the reality. Until unless someone can come along and you know put private money in, um, yeah, you're not going to have you're not. It's just like I said, the, the public are just not going to stand for a singular code uh, having one one space on public money. It's Com- just, completely just agree, but there is an example recently built in Queensland where a stadium was built in a regional area for one tenant. Up in Townsville, so it, it can happen. I know that city really does need a stadium um, up there, but, but typically you're right, Adam. You want stadiums for multiple teams. You're right, but there is there is precedent where you can do it now. So yeah, I just think, mentioning that. I mind you, that's I think that's a extenuated Townsville, Townsville, yeah, that's um, it is extenuated circumstances, yeah. but it, it has happened. Well, I'll say in the southeast Queensland area, I don't think, I don't think the public would accept. You know, as much as I'd love to see it personally, I just don't think you can build a football specific stadium. Not on the public purse. Absolutely. All right. That's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back with our NPL segment right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right. We're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you for this Podular Media production. You're listening to us on Wooshka, Stitcher, Spotify, 
Spotify, iTunes. I'm still hiccuping, which is why we've had to wait about 15 minutes to start recording this segment again. So Cut this short. All good podcasting platforms, Britain Football Review, you can find it. And also Football Nation Radio as well, which does a live replay middays, Thursdays, Queensland time. Or 1 o'clock daylight saving time. Anyway, we've got our first proper NPL segment to get into now because we finally, finally... Finally had some football to talk about after some miserable weather over the last couple of I was, weeks. I was actually joking with you guys um, on on our chat that you know maybe the MPL season won't start until I get back. So nearly got there. Only only five games I think been played so yeah. far. Your right? thank you card from Football Queensland will be in the mail. <laughs> it may not be signed by a number of the clubs ever who still haven't kicked off. Mm, yeah, that's it. Well, let's run through the games that have been played. Uh, in the last week since we last recorded. Magpies Crusaders nil, Strikers 2. I thought, just quick uh, reactions to these games, I honestly thought that um, Magpies Crusaders were actually quite good value and then just ran out of steam in the end. Yeah, they were much better than they were against Peninsula Power, the game you called in round one, James, but it was was a much better performance. I mean, we know they're hard to beat in Mackay, but Strikers eventually found their way through. Fraser Hills, I think, playing through the middle in the front third, so that was an interesting change as well. We knew they had to do something to offset the loss of Pengeli. It'd be interesting to see how Fraser Hills works from what, from in that what attacking area as opposed to his normal midfield role. From what I understand, Fraser Hills is staying up front with Oliver Smith, I think. Uh, I think that was the formation I saw. So, yeah, look, uh, yeah, you don't want to see Mackay concede eight too many times, but, uh, yeah, look, improved performance for Rome against one of the better teams in the league. Definitely. And then uh, Sunday night, Olympic 1, Easts 1. Now, there's a huge... Oh, excuse me. A huge point for East in that game. This was a quite a good game, actually, watching this on the back of the two Raw games. It was three really good games to watch, because Olympic, again, when you're watching Olympic, you know they're the sort of side who mix things up as they go. They play a very fluid formation, and they just play what they see, and they do, and it works really well for them. But East eventually cracked them, and it was Uriel Scholl going back to his old club to haunt them, and by the end, they did well and truly deserve their point. I think... I think you spoke to Danny Wright, James, in the preseason preview, and he was quite optimistic about what they could do with some of the returning firepower, and this was the first time we'd seen them this year, and just saw the evidence of that coming through. Absolutely, and I did also think uh, Yinka Kahide yeah. was yes. fantastic. Like, he's going to be a fantastic addition for them up front. Like, it just makes... For what Olympic. For Olympic, that is. Yes, excuse me. I think that's going to just make what is an already quick forward line even more dangerous. Well, you want well, you're wanting a replacement, you know, with um, with Chris Lucas and um, Alex Smith's sort of gone. Um, from what I understand, Jez Lofthouse you know, had a you know brilliant game as well. So that that combination alone there, I think that's going to you know that's where the source of attack. But Olympic are not a team that. You know, you know they go out and you know smash teams off the park. They'll they'll play well and they'll they'll technically beat them. So look, I think on on surface it's a good good point for East. Look, Olympic if they're going to chance a toll, these are points they can't really drop. But early in the season, it's very very hard to get a line, especially with teams who haven't even played a game yet. It's a bit of a trend at the moment. A lot of pace in the front. That we'll talk about Morton Bay in a moment. But with Olympic, Lech, Lofthouse, and Yinka Kahinda, they all have a tremendous amount of pace. If you actually do go back and see the goal. That Olympics scored at the weekend. That was a fantastic bit of transition play, making use of the pace they have in the front third. And that may be a really dangerous avenue, which we don't, they haven't had in the last couple of years. Look, as great as Alex Smith is, he's not the type of striker to make those runs in behind. He's more of a hold the ball up and a bit of genius in the front third when, the, when you're trying to break down a defence. So that's not his game. They've got a different style of weapon now which I think could really help them. And it's a credit to Ben Khan as well, mm. adapting that team yeah, to absolutely. play that way. Uh, we'll keep moving. Monday night, Morton Bay 4, Sunshine Coast Wanderers 2. Because it really did look like Sunshine Coast were going to pull off the comeback for all comebacks at one point. Yes, the great wall of Brendale is certainly no more. They're a much more expansive <laughs> style of football, which is pleasing to see. Declan Smith, Matt Heath and Lachlan Stroger is in that front. Third. Again, another team with plenty of pace in the front. Third. Mm. You could really see that when they did get the ball, the game plan was, at least from my view watching it, was get the ball forward quickly. Now, not long ball, route one type stuff from the old English days, but it's making use of the space in behind because they've got, again, Declan Smith knows the slash of his pace either, and he was really impressive in, in his season debut. He could be in for a big year. We saw he was included in that football Queensland side that played the Raw Legends a few weeks ago, so he's obviously a highly regarded player. We saw the first game of the season, he's got a lot to offer, so I think Morton Bay might have something there with that front third doing that. And they've got a solid midfield. And we know defensively, 
the wall of Brendale, so to speak, may not necessarily be there, but it's still a really good backline, so they might have something there. I think uh, with a Royce Brownlee sort of you know coach team, I think you're going to expect goals. Yeah. And look, uh, to your credit, Sunshine Coast did did uh, fight back, but in the end of the day, so it feels playing with ten much. men. Yeah, playing ten men as well. So Jai Oak scoring and then yourself sent off so so yeah look um, a, bit, a bit of optimism about uh, Morton Bay at the moment because I thought they may be you know they might be in that relegation hunt you know in that relegation fight but uh, yeah look if they keep rallying off results this round teams around them and it'll be relative standard yeah look it might be um, a good season for them plenty of positives as well for such on coast as well because they've been able, they fought back in this game quite well they did they fought back to an extent James as well in the game at Lions which you, you commentated with Simon Smale but I think for them, if they can just get the start of the game right and not fall behind early on in the game, they might be able to pick up some points because they do build into the games quite quite impressively. And then again, to I think midway through the second half, when it got to three-two, it did seem like the only team who was going to get that that next goal was going to be Sunshine Coast. Then then Morton Bay hit on the counter attack, but the, the Sunshine Coast Wanderers they on the fire. Then it was the Sunshine Coast Sunshine Coast Wanderers had plenty of chances in that game at three-two to get something out of it. If they had have got something, then you couldn't have said they wouldn't have deserved it. Absolutely not. I think Sunshine Coast Wanderers are going to be a really yeah. good team to watch this year. Especially at home. I think they'll be, they'll be a bad team. Definitely. Okay, we've got uh, two games from Tuesday night, last night, to very, very quickly touch on. Lions 8, Redlands nil, and Brisbane Raw 3, Kapalabar nil. Yeah. Yeah. Let's... Lions are really good. I mean, I think any notion that this um, delayed start to the season would hurt them, it's clearly not the case. They've worked on plenty in the in the in the time between now and the Foundation Shield and it's worked beautifully. That front third's clicking really impressively so any thought that they might take a dip this year is I think misfound and Redlands they've got a lot of work to do defensively which that's always been their Achilles heel. They've still got to fix that. And the other game I think Raw were quite impressive in terms of what they did. Obviously we expect them to start strongly off the Y League season. It's what you expect of them. They fade away later it was a really good start for them. Yeah, you know, I think it's a business as usual. I think their um, yeah, lines, like, yeah, I think they're, they're going where we think they're going to be. They're, you know, and, they're, and they're scoring a lot of goals, and then the new boys are ready to you know, make an impact. Um, yeah, as for Raw, yeah, look, yeah, they need points early. If they're going to survive in the, in the top flight in 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 you know, the, the Queensland League, I think they need, to, they need to rack up the points now, and I think it's a, a good start for them. Definitely. And then there were two games that were also rained out this weekend. The Gold Coast Derby, which will be rescheduled to a later date, and Brisbane City against Peninsula Power. So, so one more point about the Royal Youth. They have signed Alex Parsons from Central Coast Mariners Youth sit up as well. So that's another player they've brought in. Obviously, formerly Western Pro Tour, so it's another player they've brought in from the NPL Queensland set up who can strengthen their squad. All right. Uh, just quickly, uh, round three fixtures. Gold Coast Knights versus Olympic. Grand final rematch down at Croatian Sports Centre. I'm going to guess that Simon will be commentating on that game. I'm also disappointed it does clash with the A-League yeah. fixture on Saturday because that would be fantastic to see that side. Particularly Gold Coast Knights have so much intrigue about what they're going to be now with players departing, so that should be a really good test for them. Yep, you've also got Brisbane Strikers, Brisbane City, also a 6.30 kickoff at Perry Park. That, that's always that's always a good game. Um, Brisbane City, I think they ended a long streak of outs against uh, strikers, so I think it will first time we'll see them this season. Definitely, and look, Brisbane City all of a sudden with that late addition of Matt Smith could be a very, mm. very good side yeah. to uh, yeah. keep keep an eye on. Okay, quickly run through the rest. Uh, Morton Bay United, Magpies, Crusaders United, uh, Redlands United at home to Kapalabar, so that's the Bayside Derby. Southside Bayside Derby. I think it's the first one in almost 10 years. Redlands has been in the state competition for a while. Kapalabar now only just joining them, so that should be a real fiery derby. Definitely, and uh, Easts against Gold Coast United at Heath Park. Uh, Redlands and Easts are six, uh, 7 p.m. kickoffs. Everything else is 6:30. Uh, then you've also got Brisbane Raw NPL side against Lions, two o'clock Sunday at Logan Metro Sports Complex. And then you've also got Peninsula Power hosting Sunshine Coast Wanderers, 4:30 Sunday at AJ Kelly Park. And remember, Football Queensland live streams every single game of the NPL Queensland season. So tune in, but. Also try and get to the games if you can, because let's be honest, the more games we get, the better. It is unfortunate some of these games do clash with the Raw game at, at Dolphin, because there's some really fantastic fixtures there this weekend, no question about that. Definitely. Okay, we need to keep moving because, well, let's be honest, there's a lot to cover, because 
Not only do we have a full round of NPL coming up, we also have the beginning of the NPLW and FQPL season. So for those of you listening who might not be familiar with the State League here, NPLW is pretty self-explanatory. It's the women's premier competition in Queensland. And then you've also got the FQPL, which is the second division. Correct. Yep. So so relegation promotion with the NPL Queensland there. Um, yeah, and this should be a very, very even competition, I believe. I agree. All right, let's start with uh, NPLW for this season. And uh, just quickly, the teams participating, you've got Morton Bay United, Logan Lightning, East Gold Coast United, Football Queensland QAS. Now that's that's a, Brisbane Raw. Yes, but that's a branding yep. issue. Uh, Kapalaba, uh, you got Kapalabar, Mitchelton, Western Pride, Southwest Queensland Thunder, The Gap, South United, and Lions FC. So those are the sides. And look, I think we'll just get the obvious stuff out of the way first. Uh, Lions clear favourites for this competition. Who's their biggest contender? Um, look, I'm throwing you a bit of a curveball because we are doing this one a little bit unscripted. Yeah, look, I, I think the I think um, the traditional uh, team, so the gap are always going to be there and about. Um, and look, I also also think uh, Gold Coast United um, are a chance, but also as well, I think Palabar who just continually keep on strengthening, um, even with additions we we're talking about before. So I think they, I think there's your top four. Um, yeah, but uh, it's yeah, it's always an unpredictable nature, especially the. Um, the QAS girls, I think you always, you never know what you can get with them. That's true. So they won the competition 2018, mm. finished mid-table 2019. So they're a real expect. I think you're right, Adam. I think Kapalaba with the, the new coach from Morton Bay up there, that's a really strong addition. We talked about Georgina Worth joining that side. They were quite strong the first half of last year anyway. So that they Kapalaba should definitely be in the mix. I definitely think Gold Coast United will be yep. in the mix. They've signed a couple of really good players over the course of the off-season. So they look like they're ramping up their attack on, hopefully for their sake, making the finals and competing strongly in them. But you just can't look past Lions FC with the, the squad that they have up over there at Richlands. It's a fantastic group of players, and they definitely start the favourites. And anybody beating, winning a trophy this year is going to have to go through them to get it. Absolutely. Well, one uh, side that I'm very interested to see is just the recruitment that Mitchelton have been able to do. Yeah. They've uh, recruited uh, Kezia Pritchard from the Raw W League, and then they've recruited a few players from the Gap, uh, Lauren Butler, Zali Eason Coots, and uh, Tierney Sunderland. They've uh, been able to grab Megan Stevens and Sophie Person from Lions. I think that, like that's a side that really could be one to keep an and eye on. And also Beck Horsey from from uh, Canberra United. I can't read. How did I miss that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> it is right in front of you. I know. Yeah, well, yeah so they've, they've recruited very well. I'm, you know, I think they might be just just below, but. Yeah, look, there's a lot of movement in uh, that, and it makes it makes it very, very difficult, especially you know trying to build a cohesive unit early. Where I think that's where Lions are going to have the advantage that yeah. they're relatively they're relative together. So I think that's they're going to be they'll probably shoot out early, and they'll just be case of holding on. But yeah, I do think the one big change this year will be Morton Bay United, who was so strong last yeah. year, making the grand final, coming pretty close to challenging Lions on that account, on that night over there at Richlands. But they've lost, obviously, we've lost the coach. They've lost a couple of players from the squad. Obviously, Lyra Toby's now no longer even at the Raw, so she won't be back. Natalie Tatham, don't know if she'll be back. I think a couple of players have defected to Logan Lightning as well, so they might be a team to keep an eye on as well if you're looking for a dark horse to get into the top four. So I'd, it might be a bit more of a challenge this year for Morton Bay. I'm just, I'm just looking at their routes at the moment on the, on the Football Queensland Transfer Centre. Nine nine of the 11 players have started in the grand final plus the coach yeah, that's gone. a huge loss and that's yeah that's look, a whole I, new I know, I know they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to rebuild and all that it might be a few years before Morton Bay are, are competitive but uh, look they've got, they've got some good young players out there but I think yeah it's going to be a, a, a struggle it's going to be a reset as far, as, far as as far as you know, re- results in the highs of last season I think it's going to be a very different one I think yeah you could probably rule them out as far as you know it'll be more about development and performance rather than than results. Definitely. And um, just as a quick subtle plug, I made my predictions for the NPRW and FQPL season on the Football Queensland website. It's under the commentator predictions for the 2020 NPL women's season and 2020 FQPL season. So I'm sure uh, if anyone's listening at some of those clubs, they will certainly bookmark those and be ready to throw them back in my face in a couple of months. <laughs> I know, I have. <laughs> I can guarantee I've bookmarked all of those and definitely. looking forward to throwing them back in your face in about August. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, well, just quickly, the round one fixtures for uh, NPLW. You've got Morton Bay uh, hosting Logan, 
Saturday afternoon at uh, Walter Park. East uh, hosting Gold Coast United, 4.45 at Heath Park. Uh, FQQAS at Meekin Park hosting Capalabar, 6 o'clock Saturday. Mitchelton hosting Western Pride at Taralba Park. And then you've got Southwest Queensland, 5pm uh, Sunday evening at Clive Berghoff Stadium. They're hosting The Gap. South United hosting Lions FC at uh, Wakeley Park, 5pm Sunday as well. So there you go. On the, synthet- on the synthetic field as well, that last game. So that's always an advantage for South when they get teams to travel there. Definitely. Okay, let's go through the FQPL, why don't we? Because that's also getting underway this season. And obviously, uh, some of these teams you may be uh, familiar with. Coming down from the NPL setup last season are Sunshine Coast, Fire, Southwest Queensland, and Western Pride. I, I, I have to admit, I didn't quite uh, process what had been going on at Pride, but I could easily see them yo-yoing straight back up. If any of these three teams are going to, you would say that Western Pride would be the favourite. They have recruited some pretty good players out there. Mike Mulvey's involved, I think, now as technical director as well. I think that they would, if anyone's going to jump back straight up, it's probably them. I think that Southwest Queensland Thunder, they might have to rebuild a little bit, develop some more young players from out there in that region, and then maybe in a year's time, potentially, they can jump back into the NPL. I think Sunshine Coast have got a lot of work to do, but Western Pride would be the one of those three that you'd say they have a chance to get straight back up. Well, the thing you will say, just looking at the uh, FQ Transfer Centre on their website, both Sunshine Coast and Southwest Queensland have opted to recruit locally as well. So, you know, we might see a few players taking full advantage of the uh, step up to the top there. Hopefully they've found a couple of hidden gems in those local regional leagues that do do progress, help them progress, because that's what you really want them to do. Definitely. Yeah, no, no, look, I, and you applaud, actually, uh, Thunder and uh, Fire as well, who, you know, they're, they're looking at the pathway as well, that, you know, to, to pick the best of their local competition, the, the Toowoomba Football League and the um, Sunshine Coast Premier League, to, you know, to recruit rather than sort of trying to recycle uh, as such. But, uh, yeah, of the three relegate teams, well, I think Western Pride, um, definitely, I think they, they've recruited, you know, they don't, they're not going to want to be in um, FQPL for too long. And, uh, yeah, well, I'm just going to read exactly what I had on the uh, FQ website. For me, it's a two-horse plagiarism. race. Plagiarism. Is it plagiarism if it's straight from yourself? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Two- if you ask FQ for permission? <laughs> hey, I'm giving them credit. It's right there on their website. Uh, it's a two-horse race for me between Mitchelton and Holland Park. I think those two are going to be the benchmark for this season. Interesting. Mm. The sole reason I say that is because I'm just looking at the recruitment for Holland Park. We've seen them pick up some good players in the past as well. You remember, obviously... Uh, most notably for me, Marek Mardley. Uh, he's obviously gone on to bigger and better things since he uh, was with Holland Park. But you have to think that even if some of their, even if half of their recruitment does sort of pay off, especially with their visa players, all of a sudden they're going to. I feel like they could really be, you know, a side to beware of. It's always uh, Holland Park always difficult read because they do they do sort of cast that far and wide. And I'm willing but, to stick my neck out. Yeah, yeah. Look, no, look, yeah. If like I said, they've not only got players, uh, a couple of players from Korea. They've got, I see they've got a couple. They've got uh, a player from the US, Brody Hayes. Yep, uh, but they've also got a couple of players from uh, West Australia. So look, they, they've obviously recruited far and wide. Uh, so, but for for me, I think uh, look, I think Western Pride are gonna be right in it. Um, but I think that the dark horse, as far as the recruitment goes, I think it's going to be Mitchelton. I I really like the way that they've recruited, and I think um, they're going to be right in this. Uh, Dong, uh, Kim Dong Yu or Dong Yu Kim, however you want to. I'm going Dong yeah. Yu Kim because that's how it's listed on the website. Yeah, um, but also they've got a couple of you know a couple of decent sort of players as well. Mustafa Jafari come in, Jade Nightingale, you know, from Brisbane City. Um, also as well, Jay Clancy, who long-time keeper at City, has moved, made the move over, and um, Seb Hernando from uh, Redlands. So there's some you know, quality players that probably you know are established NPL players in in some cases. So making a step down, look, but I think they're going to be um, right in it. But I, look, I think you could probably say a number of teams in that as well. That you know it's going to be luck and fortune, you know, of, of the draw. I think Logan, I think Logan are. are a legitimate chance and also as well as much as to Scott's chagrin um, I think Rochdale's also going to be there and about yeah that's that was, that was more if I said you brought up Logan than Rochdale because that was who I was going to say I think Mitchelson will be there or thereabouts mm. but Mitchelson Western Pride Rochdale yes because they were really good last year at the back end but also Logan they've been the really unlucky story the last couple of years in terms of promotion they've fallen just short twice yeah. they brought in a new coach Rich 
Rich Coglin from down there at Devonport Strikers yeah. at, in the NPL Tasmania. Obviously, I think he was the coach who got them to the national round of 32 a couple of years ago. He's quite... He's, he's highly regarded. He's got great Coughlin. pedigree. and I think he's coming returning to Queensland from Tasmania, so he knows the local league as well. And he's recruited quite extensively from Gold Coast United. Connor Smith being one of their standout players last year, yep. now now at Logan. So they, I think those four would be the teams to keep an eye on. Even a young player like Angus Wang as well, who played for Olympic from last Olympic, year. Yeah. That All would right. probably be your top four, I would imagine. Definitely. All right. Now, in the interest of time, we are going to have to uh, stop that discussion there. But we'll quickly run through the round one fixtures for you. You've got Wynnum hosting Southside Eagles Friday night at Carmichael Park. Uh, Logan Lightning and Holland Park Saturday, 6.15. Souths at Ipswich Knights Saturday, 7 p.m. Southwest Queensland Thunder against Rochdale Rovers. Uh, Sunday at 3pm and you might hear a couple of familiar voices on the call for this game as I'll be heading up to Toowoomba to do that and uh, which one of you two is coming up with me? That's unconfirmed at this point James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it would be a pleasure to have you up there Scott. I might join you you never know. You'll have to wait and no, see. I'm off, I'm off the lines. That's it and uh, Sunshine Coast Fire hosting Western Pride in the well, I suppose the FQPL debut derby, if you want to call it that. The we've seen it before clash. <laughs> <laughs> we have seen a lot of these games as well, to be fair. It's, you know, yeah. But yeah. Well, so, I, I, just, I don't know if it's, if it's going to be uh, 12-1. That's the only... <laughs> I, have I think right. calling Kiwana Ipswich derby, that's, that's really stretching it. That's almost like calling Wellington and Perth a derby, James. It's <laughs> derby in Queensland. Anyway... All right, so uh, good luck to all those teams competing in NPLW and uh, FQPL rounds one this se- this weekend. Looking forward to what should be an excellent season in both of those competitions. Make sure you get out to any of the local grounds if you can, because let's be honest, local football's a lot of fun. We're going to take a quick break and uh, come back to quickly discuss the Raw's game at Dolphin Stadium this weekend. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, it's the fourth and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here. It's James Scott and Adam with you for Podular Media. And we're going to make this a very, very quick fourth segment because it's about to storm outside and I think we're actually getting pretty close to an hour as it is already. So let's get to it. Raw, uh, Perth Glory, Dolphin Stadium, 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Scott, what are you looking for in this game? I'm looking to see if the Raw can continue their momentum against what may be a fatigued Perth Glory side. I assume they'll come straight to Brisbane from Tokyo. But again, we've seen it with the Raw in the past. It can be very difficult coming off the Champions League. A home or away game, it can be very difficult. It's Glory's first time doing it. Brisbane with the opportunity to really, really close the gap on them in the, in the chase for a home final. I think this is a, a great opportunity for Robbie Fowler on his side to notch three points. Yeah, look, I think yeah, I think the word opportunity comes to mind. I think, you know, yeah, Glory off, off the long, long flight. And um, look, I think also as well, the big, the big um, plus for Raw is it's going to be a heaving full house up at Dolphin Stadium on Saturday afternoon. I think that will um, really play in the hands of the Raw. If if, if, if for history's about it's a go by, even if they have a slow start, um, I, I reckon that the crowd might really sort of pull pull them back in this. And really, I think if anywhere is going to be a fortress, I think Dolphin's the one. I think I saw there's only a couple hundred seats remaining, so I definitely will be a full house up there. We saw what effect that had against Melbourne City in, in the first game up there 3-0 three 3-0 nil, three nil down? Yeah Yeah 3-0 nil down and then they got one goal back in the second half and you could then hear the crowd getting into it and they really willed the roar over the line by the end I think that could very well be the case once again in the last 20 minutes if the roar are needing a goal to get all three points the crowd could carry them over the line once again And similar to what we were talking about in segment one as well is the fact that this is a good marker for the Roar as well. Like We saw them draw in Perth in round one. Now, admittedly, Perth were not the team that they are now, yep. but also the Roar aren't the team that they yep. are now. Okay. Neither team... Uh, both teams have improved since round one. There exactly. Thank you. I got lost in my own sentence structure there. But yeah, for me, I'm, I'm just really curious to see how the Roar respond to... Well, for lack of a better phrase, having people actually expecting them to do something for the first time in with all due respect, a couple of years. I remember last, like the last couple of years with you know John Aloisi and Darren Davies as interim manager, you've seen quite... like I think maybe fans let their expectations slip a little bit, but now, if you're not expecting them to come out and be strongly competitive in this game, I don't know what you... like, what will make you get to that point, but 
yeah, like as it the home ground, Dolphin Stadium, a full-ish ground, that's going to be huge for them as well. And it does look. Dolphin Stadium is a fantastic venue. We've said it before. We will say it again. It does make a difference. It does. You're right. Expectations can go one or two ways. It can cause pressure, or it can create a great atmosphere and encourage, build, push the players on to even greater heights. I'm, I'm going to assume, like most people, when you get those expectations from the crowd backing you behind you, you rise to another level. That's what I'm hoping to see on Saturday afternoon from this Brisbane Raw side because their performances have been building and building and building. They're being better and better. Solid, solid at the backs, and that's getting better with like of Alder and Gillespie getting used to the Australian conditions. The building in the front third, I'm looking for that to continue and for the for the crowd to help take that to another level. That's what I think is going to happen on Saturday afternoon. I don't think that the expectation is going to sun, suddenly somehow they're going to crumble under expectation. I cannot see that in the slides. I think it's going to go the opposite way and really spur them on. It'll be a real shock if, yeah, like the good form of the last, you know, six weeks or so finally sort of, you know, give way. Look, all credit to Perth. They're, they're a decent team. Uh, I know that, like I said, again, their travel um, their travel schedule is going to be a factor. You think especially late in the game, which plays right into the Royals wheelhouse because they're, the, you know, they're the form team as far as, you know, finishing over the top of sides. But, um, yeah, look, I think the Royals have just got to be careful that they don't try, they don't let Perth get in control early and, you know, really sort of, you know, so they're chasing the game. I think they need to come out from minute one, control the game, run Perth around, and then finish them off. And if they if they follow that plan, as simplistic as it sounds, I think it's, it's three more points in the bank. It might be uncomfortable up there for the fans at Dolphin Stadium, but I hope it's a really humid afternoon up yeah. there at Dolphin because that will that will have another great impact on Perth. I know they come from a similar sort of climate, but big week of travel coming from Tokyo, from Tokyo like to to yeah. southeast Queensland, humid conditions, all that fatigue. It could it could all become too much. But look, they are a really good side, and yeah. they're they're one of the few teams in the league who, if if they did overcome it all, you'd say fair play. Yeah, and you could also somewhat see it happening because they are that sort of side. They're pretty pragmatic under Tony Popovich, as you know. They could get a result here. I just, I can't see it at the moment with the way the Raw are playing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a really, really good game to watch. Because also, conversely, from a Perth perspective, I honestly think that if they win this game, if they can come away with a win in this game, and you know, maybe even a convincing win, mm. I think that is top two. That yeah. I, not only that, I think that establishes them as a real legitimate team chance to beat Sydney in the finals I think they would have that belief anyway after what happened last year but back to the Raw I mean it's going to be interesting to see what Robbie Fowler does here, he got a really good performance away to Western United but he's got Scott McDonald to come back into the side what does he do does he, mm. does he shuffle O'Shea and Inman back one line and leave out Aiden O'Neill and put, put him up front, does he say McDonald has to return via the bench and then he's got Mirza Muradovic, who scored two goals in two off the bench. Did he bring him into the starting lineup? It, it's probably the first real time this year Robbie Fowler's got that real selection headache where it's like, you've got three or four really good in-form options. Which one does he go with? Yeah, look, um, yeah, selection headache is, uh, is a wonderful thing at the moment. And um, look, I, I think you know, Robert Fowler's has shown over some time that he'll reward you know, the side that's just performed. So I... I if. If for how I'm looking at it, I reckon Scott McDonald comes back for the bench. Not not a bad thing, especially if they're going to try and make a late a late run if they're trying to chase the game or they're trying to sort of you know, really sort of put the you know the foot to the throat sort of you know to the contest. So so yeah, but I think he'll he'll reward the side that did so well in Ballarat last week. I think McDonald might start in place of Dylan Wenzel Halls, who came off pretty early in the second half. I think that might be the change he goes to, but I don't think there'll be too many changes at all I think you're right he's certainly the sort of coach if he puts you in and you perform to the level that he expects you keep your spot yeah. he is and, and I mean this in a good way he's disloyal to not a fault but <laughs> he, he knows he knows to you know make changes when they're needed and to his credit all of the changes that he's made this season have seemed to have worked out quite well for him and he's not afraid to I suppose pull the plug on something yeah. that isn't working. That's a good point because he's not stubborn, and like some other coaches can be. If you bring a player in and that player's not working out, some coaches would just stick with it. So no, I backed this player. I signed them. I'm going to keep throwing them out there every single week, and that's clearly not what Robbie Fowler is about. He, if you don't perform, you're out. Yeah. If, if you perform, you're in. It doesn't matter if you're 
a 16 year old like Jordan Courtney Perkins was when he came in or if you're at the other end of the age scale it doesn't matter if you perform you're in and that's what you want performance based you know result based you know sort of selection and I think that's what um I think the fans at the Raw have been sort of crying out for a long time. You know, obviously it gets a bit rougher when your favourites get sort of you know push us, you know get pushed aside or whatnot. But uh, look, at the end of the day, it's it's a consistent, it's a consistent line selection, and that's you know I think that's one part of the, the battle. Okay, we're going to finish up. Uh, we should also mention the W League are in action Sunday afternoon at Lions Stadium. So just quickly, uh, Raw W League prediction. Raw uh, Raw win. They'll win, but it might not be as easy. I'm going to go raw win 2-1 in that one. And then now for the A-League, uh, we're going to lead off with Adam. You're oh, back geez. on for this now. <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't swear there. Okay, uh, this time next week, we're going to be talking about... Raw's big win at a full Dolphin. Scott, what's, what are we going to be talking about? Our great atmosphere at Dolphin Stadium, and the stadium debate will be up and running once again. My favourite go- topic. <laughs> hey, if we, ha- if we have to have another rained out weekend of NPL, we could use the filler. Anyway, um, I'm going to go with the headline for the game. D'Agostino scores, but Prince Muradovic gets the last laugh. Ding, ding, ding. Your membership will be in the mail very soon. There we go. Yes, yeah, so Scott just gives us a little fist pump. Uh, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Welcome yeah. back. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Good to see you again, James. Adam, yeah. good to see you yeah, as well. Yeah. Thanks to our listeners. Yep. Um, get out to the football if you can this weekend. There's plenty of choices for you all around southeast Queensland. Get to the games. It's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Go Raw. You know, enjoy the NPL, FQPL, NPLW, all of that. And uh, fake up as well, we should mention as well. Oh, God, that too. Look that up. Um, (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. Pleasure as always. We'll be back next week. This has been the Brisbane Football Review.